Liberal MP for Beaches East York, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, joining us. He wanted to weigh in on a lot of provincial issues, what he sees in terms of labor support, what he sees in terms of a potential overreach by the provincial government here. And we talk a lot about the fall economic forecast for all of Canada as well. That's from earlier on Monday on Toronto Today. We visit every two weeks, usually on Monday, uh, with Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, Toronto Beaches East York MP, a Liberal MP. It's great to have you on. You know, we didn't get to cover Halloween last week, but let's leave that for the end um, because we've got uh, pressing issues. And this tells you how fast politics moves sometimes. I know your, your government experienced that in January and February of the spring, but we've had a lot change in Ontario in the last seven days, Nate. No kidding. Doug Ford pretended to be a friend to unions during an election not so long ago. And and here we are today. And it's it's a real challenge for parents like myself, parents like you. And Mm -hmm. it's incredibly frustrating because it didn't need to come to this if they hadn't sort of used the nuclear option with the notwithstanding clause and and undermine collective bargaining right from the get go. How do we get it back uh, to the point where the water temperature is a lot less scalding hot than it is right now? Uh, it's hard to say because the uh, the Ford government has really aggressively acted the way it's acted right from the get-go, but I would say they're really not so far apart. I think there's got to be a recognition that these are workers who provide an invaluable service and are massively underpaid. You put that in the context of runaway inflation and a large pay raise is warranted. The one and a half, sort of 2% range that the Ford government was forcing through via legislation, I think is too low. Obviously, I've heard from many people to say the 11% that QP was at at the episode was too mm-hmm. high. They've since come down to 6%. There's got to be a way to to figure out a significant pay raise for for low-income working Canadians and and who provide such valuable service to your schools open. So if Ford and let you get back to the table and get a deal done. I had it sourced, uh, it would have been Thursday night going into Friday, that Thursday early in the morning, there was potential for an offer that would have would have given some of QP's um, 55000 a 3% raise. It would have got up to 5% for some people. It's a very hard union to judge. It's a, There's so many different jobs. There's different, there's custodians that work 45 hours. There's education assistants that work 12, 14 hours. And they know that they're a second income for their family, but they care about the kids and they want to be involved. It's really tough tough to sort of pin down that one number in a case like this. That's what I'm hearing anyway on the surface. And you're right. Getting back to the table is the only way a deal gets done here. It's the only way a deal gets done. When you think of it, they really they really can't be so far away if, if there's a, a deal like you're suggesting is, is there's a willingness to put a deal like that on the table. I think a really frustrating thing from my perspective is it does feel like the government has looked at this from a, a polling perspective to say, what can we get away with? What polls well? Do we think the parents will be with us and, and we're going to do what we can based on polling instead of taking a step back and saying, what is the right thing to do here? You have education workers who are sorely underpaid, runaway inflation. We want to keep schools open. We want to look after parents and kids. We also want to look after education workers. So let's get a deal done and deal in good faith right from the get go. Instead, they make decisions based on polling and, and they do what they think they can get away with. You're a federal politician, and a lot of these issues end up being provincial. That said, I know you know your name has been speculated about um, to run for leadership of the Ontario Liberals. You clearly are grassroots. You clearly care about your community. You care a ton about your province. This is where you've always lived. You've seen the reports that there's multiple unions maybe planning a, an Ontario-wide walkout uh, next week. Um, it, it is part of this the problem that there is no full-time NDP leader, and there's no 
full-time leader of the opposition, as good a job as John Fraser's doing, as good a job as Peter Tabins is doing, that there just isn't a lot of strong opposition right now to this Ford government? We need accountability in the legislature, no question. We need strong accountability. And look, we're going to have a leadership next year as an Ontario Liberal Party. And I think the NDP will have their leadership even before then. And so we're going to get that leadership sooner than later. But it's not just for political parties to hold their governments accountable. So I think it's absolutely a good thing to see unions, to see citizens holding this Ford government accountable, not only in relation to education workers' rights, also in relation to their about face on the green belt. And just on a personal note, I am interested in, in, in exploring the, the liberal leadership, there's no question, but the education worker piece really hit home because mm-hmm. my first experience in politics was as a kid. My parents were teachers and I was on the picket line with my parents in the Harris years. And we can't see governments continue, conservative governments largely, but we can't see governments of any stripe go to war against education workers and, and those who are teaching and looking after our kids. Yeah, you'd remember that really well. Um, two weeks out, my parents were both teachers at the time, too, in their mid 50s. And they they were two weeks out. Um, I was I was worried about them checking in on them more back then pre internet. We just it was a lot of phone calls and whatnot. But um, but that's that's a stressful time. I can imagine it's a really stressful time for a younger teacher who thinks I'm just getting into my career here. I'm not I'm not near the end. I'm at the beginning of it. And I don't doubt that that if the strike, especially Nate, is deemed illegal here, the workers now for QP will have tremendous stress about about whether or not to continue and and whether or not they'll waver if we get into a couple weeks of this here. And it's not about uh, uh, finding for you and I, in the course of this conversation, mm. what's the absolute perfect percentage point, right? Because mm. we're not at the table. We don't we don't have all the context. We don't know absolutely where where the sides are willing to come to an agreement, although I think it's obvious enough that <clears throat> there's space for an agreement and, and, and there should be an agreement that's reached sometime this week, hopefully sometime earlier this week. But I, I, for me, the core of it is, dealing in good faith that when you have you know there are public service unions and some individuals like police officers are better paid than others and you have nurses that obviously deserve to be better paid and they're capped and there are all sorts of considerations in different sectors but the overriding consideration has to be the government must deal with workers in good faith and that's not what we've seen here i think that's the overriding frustration and when i look at it you know, obviously, the initial 11% number, you had a number of people say, ah, well, that's not reasonable. But at the end of the day, did this government deal in good faith with education workers? No, they did not. And that's why we're here today talking about a possible general strike. And it should never have come to this. And it doesn't need to be in this place if they get back to the table and deal in good faith. Nathaniel Erskine Smith, our guest, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. The Liberals put a fall economic update out last week. It's, in essence, a, a, a mini budget. Um, what should our listeners know about it? How did you react to what was in it? There were a number of important affordability measures that were reiterated. So the doubling of the GST credit for six months, the one-time top-up for for housing, certainly you know steps forward with respect to dental care. That was all reiterated. The most important sort of new measure was interest-free student loans from the federal government's perspective. And there were a number of measures in relation to sustainable jobs because we know that's where the future is going and we need to be focused on the question, not just doing the right thing for future generations, but also job creation today. At the same time, I don't think enough of the measures touched the middle class. And so I do worry with the Bank of Canada governor being as aggressive as he has been. I I do think the government and federal institutions have to look seriously at extending amortization for principal residence owners, because otherwise we are going to see people lose their homes if these aggressive rate hikes continue. And I, I don't think the budget touched on that 
core affordability concern of middle class Canadians. Is that something that the government can adapt when an actual budget comes in? They can sort of, you know, read the tea leaves a little bit and make alterations to what was released last week? We can see alterations to policies as between the fiscal update and and the budget in the spring. So this isn't a static conversation. We don't have to wait mm-hmm. entirely for large expenditures. Like, so the disability benefit, which I would love to see realized in the spring budget, we're not going to see that announced with a large fiscal expenditure next month or in January. We'll have to wait for the budget cycle. But there are any number of measures, and the measure I just referenced wouldn't cost any money and would actually be probably something that Office would have to implement. So absolutely, there are additional measures related to affordability that can be implemented between now and, and the spring budget. I know your colleague, Christian Freeland, um, talked about the Disney Plus subscription yesterday. That's getting a lot of play. Um, I'd be the first to say in 17 and a half hours of radio week, I think, oh, that didn't land quite the way I thought it would. Or, oh, I, I didn't sound as relatable as I wanted to be about that. Um, what are you hearing from constituents about that? And by the way, The Mandalorian, it's not about your... The Mandalorian is like, to me, nine and over. I don't think your kids are even old enough to watch The Mandalorian yet, let alone the other Star Wars spinoffs. Let's be fair about this. They're not, but when they're sick and they wake up at 5.30 in the morning, I'll tell you, Toy, Toy Story is a lifesaver. So I, I'm, I'm not about to cancel <laughs> Disney+, Plus, nor do I think that's the core affordability concern that most Canadians are facing right now. I mentioned housing. The increase in people's mortgages and the number of millions of Canadians who are on variable rates, that's my worry. I worry about defaults. I worry about people losing their homes. I, I don't worry about $13 a month. Yeah. Plus, they also have a show called Werewolf by Night. I'm already through the, the era where my kids were waking up, running in to my bedroom with nightmares saying we're all going to die someday. And I'm like, well, you've got that right. But let me calm you down in the meantime. You, you, what you've stated is an actual fact. But let me calm you down because you watched Werewolf by Night. Anyway, um, Nate, thanks for our visit today. We'll talk again in a couple. <laughs> yeah, of- <laughs> I'm, I'm watching The Center on Netflix. So, <laughs> so Disney Plus isn't for me at the moment. But maybe there will be a show down the road that is. So. Uh, whatever gets us through this era, we're in. Uh, no doubt about it. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate the time. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest, uh, Liberal uh, Beaches East York MP. Uh, You heard him. Not canceling. He's anti-cancel culture for Disney+. Plus. He weighed in. We can't can't pull every single member of the Liberal government on this, but he's he's in on the $13.99 a month. Let's save it in a couple other ways.